The Superstars was a made-for-television competition in the 1970s and 80s that pitted elite athletes from different pro sports against one another to find out who was the best all-around athlete. Yes, in these times, athletes were not quite making the money they do now, and they jumped at the chance to prove themselves, earn some extra cash, and score a free vacation. In 1985, Karch Karai led a group of Olympians against NFL stars, and never have those of us that love volleyball been so proud. I'm a Venice, California-born, Los Angeles-based sports fan. One that has played, coached, announced, and promoted sports my whole life. My love affair with sports started in my own backyard and has led me to this podcast. Thanks to the support of the Amateur Athletic Union in East Bay, I'm excited to bring you Sports Stories with Denny Lennon. Hello, Sports Storians. Welcome to Audio Video Podcast, episode number 41 of Sports Stories with Denny Lennon, the third of our five-part series on Karch Karai, the GOAT of the sport of volleyball and the head coach of the USA Women's Olympic Team. From the response we've received so far, it appears you have very much been enjoying what we are calling a Karai July. Parts one and two and plenty of other contents always available at youtube.com backslash sports stories with Denny Lennon. Volleyball for men had not always been given a whole lot of respect as an athletic endeavor outside of particular areas of the United States. And when Karch had rolled over the competition in the Superstars show in Miami to close in on the Superstars title, a lot of people's minds were blown. He had lifted weights, swam, played tennis and rowed, and then it came to the 100-yard dash. And whomever did better between Karch and the New York Jets five-time All-Pro defensive end Mark Gastineau would win the overall title. And wouldn't you know it, Mark freaking Gastineau, all jacked up on performance-enhancing substances, blew by Karch to win first place. Don't take my word for it. Listen to what Karch has to say on this episode about the championship that got away from him some 35 years ago. Hey, before we go much further, we need to say hello to the producer. For the top video podcast in the Sentinel Adobe Corridor, the director of the SSDL5 slate of shows on YouTube, and the liaison for the 2014 Dominican Republic Youth National Team that won the championship of the AAU Girls Junior Volleyball International Division, which was held in Orlando, Florida, my QP and everybody's favorite liaison, Christine Jimbo. All right, everybody. That's a that's a good one. You pulled from the archives. I for did that pull one. from the. Yes, I did. Ooh. <laughs> all right. I'm here to talk to you about your social media links. Find all of them on our website at sportsstoriespodcast.com. Be sure to check out the East Bay store where you can find uh, official SSDL social distancing masks. That's right. That will be made available to you. Mm-hmm. Um, especially check out the Twitter social media at sportsstoriesdl mm-hmm. to vote in the East Bay 7428 shootout yep. um, to see the competition, the videos, the reactions, mm. including trash Ooh. talk from one Randy, Randy. Rosenblum. Woof. Lit it's it on fantastic. fire. Gas if you haven't it. seen it, you got to go check it out mm-hmm. at Sports Stories DL on Twitter. Mm-hmm. Also, I'm here to tell you about exclusive behind-the-scenes content, sneak peeks, and Denny's commentary, which is always hilarious, uh, at <laughs> hilarious. Patreon. Hilarious. At Patreon.com slash Denny Lennon. And you can go to our website, 
for that link as well. Yeah, that Patriot uh, Patreon behind the scenes look. We're going to put the Box Cobbler content up there. He's huge. He's killing it. Uh, I also introduce you to some of the new correspondents that are going to be um, part of the Sports Stories with Denny Lennon's staff. Um, some other fun stuff. So, yeah, as, as you mentioned, Patreon, patreon.com slash Denny Lennon or our website. Yeah, um, if Twitter. you want to see how Denny sets up the shot with Buck oh, yeah. for these things, it's that's big. definitely going to go behind it's, the scenes it's, on it's, Patreon. It's big. Kick it out, Buck. Uh, <laughs> we'll also Content will also be there. Um, hey, an update on the uh, East Bay 74-28 shootout as we uh, go to do this introduction for Karts 3. Um, winners in the opening round of the 12-team single elimination tournament are hashtag girl dad Scott Rice, Woo! Hall of Fame sportscaster Randy Rosenblum, and Loyola Marymount athlete and attorney Wayne Bowley. So those have all moved in. There's one more in the opening round of the 12-team um, bracket, and that's going to pit the Heroes Movement, Mike McKay, and the athletic director from Sierra Canyon, Rock Pillsbury. So you go watch the videos, and you get to vote in each round one time, and it's at Sports Stories DL. I have noted that Karch transcended volleyball as a player in the 80s and 90s, and he moved into pop culture. A hidden gem of the cinematic world is a 1986 movie called Spiker, not to be confused with the 2007 horror film Spiker about a pink-eyed albino serial killer. This Spiker is about the formation of the USA national volleyball team under a demanding coach, and it was filmed just prior to the 84 Olympics. Think of the iconic movie Side Out, but set in a gym of the National Training Center in San Diego. One of the starring roles was played by Patrick Hauser, and it was based on none other than Karch Karai. Hauser was a much better actor than volleyball player, especially when you see his approach and net violation in the opening scene. Okay, why is it that movies and television depiction of volleyball always includes net violations that aren't called? The actual 84 Olympic team of men's volleyball uh, we're background players, and there's some great action shots, including ones from the real Karch. Um, it's available on Amazon Prime Video if you'd like to take a look. Besides Superstars and Spiker, Karch talks about training camp for that 84 team in San Diego, their epic victory over Russia in the spring just prior to the Soviet boycotted 84 games, and how somehow Karch was nominated four times for the AAU Sullivan Award, but came up empty, just like the Buffalo Bills did in the Super Bowl. So let's get to it. It's time for part three of our five-part Karai July from the USA Volleyball National Team Center in Anaheim, California. Here's our Sports Stories interview with the greatest volleyball player ever, Karch Karai. Please note this interview was recorded on January 17th, 2020. One of the things interesting when you bring up like Dodd Hovland and then throw Sinjin to that. What was the dynamic? So you, once you graduate UCLA and then you go to the national team and you're going to train for the 84 Olympics. Um, so Doug Beal's coach. And was there a, uh, like a, a mandate you couldn't do both? You couldn't do beach and indoor right now or something along these lines that those guys either didn't try out for the team or, or can, I, I kind of, I never was clear on how come those guys weren't on that team. Um, <clears throat> Once the USA men moved to San Diego mm -hmm. early in 1981, the, the year-round National Training Center set up camp. It moved from Dayton, Ohio, out to San Diego. 
And so in the summer of 81, the summer of 82, I, uh, a number, in, in May of 81, a number of us went, uh, went down to a big tryout. Mm-hmm. Um, Sinjin, Tim Hovland, Mike Dodd, Steve Sammons, me, Steve Timmons, Pat Powers, like yeah. lots of really good players, of good players, amazing players. And we all made the team. Um, and so we spent some time with the team, and then a number of us who were still in college would go back in the fall and then uh, look to plan to go back to USA. Uh, but Doug made it very clear that um, we were ranked 19th in the world at that time, mm-hmm. and we had so much work to do, he did not think that us spending a lot of time playing beach volleyball was going to get us where we needed to okay. go. Uh, we didn't take very well to that. We I resisted it uh, for sure because we felt like he was, I don't know, um, caging us in. We normally had weekends off, but he kept us so busy. And we were traveling and competing a lot. So we didn't have a lot of chances to play. But in the rare ones that we did, I maybe played one or two tournaments in four years. Okay. Looking back on it now, I think Doug made the right call because we won the gold medal in 1984. And we had a lot more learning and developing to do as an indoor team than as a beach team. A lot of us had played a ton of beach volleyball. The other thing he said was, I am demanding, once you are out of school, I'm demanding a... um, uh, basically a complete commitment to this program. So you can't be with the program part-time and go play a summer of beach volleyball and expect to come back. That's a big part of our season. We're busy at that time. So you're either with us or you're not. You also can't go to play in Italy or in in some of the other professional leagues and expect to come back. So um, some of the guys just... Um, had other interests, wanted to go play overseas or play on the beach and play more part-time, and that was not acceptable to the program. Those of us who stayed with the program um, committed on a full-time basis, and the others were not able to do that. And like you say, the uh, 84 was an unbelievable moment for the sport of volleyball to see that happen. Um, and one of the things I found interesting is, you know, one of the things was, well, well the Eastern Bloc countries weren't there, but you had just beaten Russia. And and you had done particularly well, like thirty six and eight or something against all the other formidable teams, right? So yep. you'd proven yourself over and over again, and then won that gold in eighty four, and that had to be quite a moment. Um, it was an amazing moment, but it was not the strength of the tournament that we wanted it to be, that anybody wanted it to be. The best team in the world for seven or eight years had been the Soviet Union. Uh, and they were still the number one team in the world. Yes, we had beaten them, mm-hmm. but the story behind that match, uh, we went to a four-match series with them in May of 1984, mm-hmm. just a couple of months before the Olympics. And it was either May 8 or May 9. I don't have the date straight. It was one of those two days. But we're playing them in the first match of this four-match series. And... We're pumped because we're in this battle, and it goes back and forth, and it eventually goes to a fifth set, and we win. And it's the first time in 16 years 
that the USA men have beaten oh, the Russian men. 16 years. Wow. So we're going crazy in the locker room and thinking, oh my oh. gosh, would this be amazing to get to play the Russians in the finals, in the gold medal match two and a half, three months from now would be incredible. What we didn't know, and we heard it at first, but we didn't believe it, but at, based on some information we learned later, as sometime that evening, the Soviet Union announced their boycott of the Olympics. So I think what happened, if I, the, with the best information I have, the Russian men's team, some of them might have learned about that boycott before the fifth game, in the break between the fourth and mm. fifth game. However it was, whether they mm. learned about it before the fifth or after the fifth, um, right after the match, Doug Beal learned about it, and he didn't want to tell us right then because mm. we're going nuts in the locker room just thinking this is we, we, sure. we're on our way. We're, we're close to arriving now. We just beat the number one team in the world on their home floor. They were crushed. The Russians felt awful for them. They were a good bunch of guys. We got along with them, had a huge respect for uh, re mutual respect between mm -hmm. teams. But then we just beat them like a drum the next three matches because now they were not able to compete, no matter what lineup we put out there. Um, but Doug learned right after that match and did not tell us in the locker room, told us uh, made, you know, we had a team okay. meeting the next morning, and, and he let us know. But it, the, the tournament was fantastic. We won. We were thrilled. It was uh, higher than our expectations. Our hope was maybe to get some kind of medal of any kind. Mm -hmm. But also it was not a full, um, a full field, and that's why some of us decided to stay for another four for years another four so years. that we could play a tournament that was truly the ultimate test and did not lack the, the Soviet Union, Poland, Cuba, and some of the other great men's teams. Which was, of course, 88. Now, it's those years between 84 and 88 that I found that volleyball entered. And obviously, I'm of the age where I'm, you know, I'm involved in it and I love it, but it seemed to become part of the popular culture a little bit. Um, one thing that we took particular pride in, those of us who were in volleyball, was your performance in the 85 superstars. Mm-hmm. The fact that it legitimized a lot of volleyballers to go, yeah, they don't, you know, <laughs> yes, we're athletes, right? And um, do you remember that uh, competition? I do. Yeah. I think there are a couple of things. Number one, uh, I remembered watching the Olympics in as a 15-year-old in 1976 mm -hmm. and staying glued to the TV hour after hour, day after day, waiting for volleyball to show up because I wanted to see the Soviet Union. I wanted to see Poland. I wanted to see people I'd seen in pictures, these high-flying Cubans, Wojtovich and mm. Skorek and these great Polish yeah. players. And basically, nothing ever came on. And so that's when it hit me, okay, I think the only way volleyball is going to get on is if the U.S., is good enough, A, to qualify, because the U.S. wasn't even competing in that Olympics, and B, is a contender, like uh, in, 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 the the, middle round. In, in the medal rounds or has a chance to be in the medal rounds. So that was one of my big motivations. That's when I learned as a 15-year-old I, I or made a, a goal for myself to, can I help this team? Can I be a part of something that helps it be good enough to qualify for the Olympics and good enough maybe to medal. And, and so then we compete in LA and um, some of the early ratings came in, I think, 
and they were good and people were like what is this we've never seen this before and steve timmons spectacular with his red oh, yeah, flat yeah. top and this team like where do they come from and the women's team with uh debbie paula green. weisshoff debbie green yeah. um i remember yeah well i guess you know i'm four years you know younger than you but that lit everything on fire for sure Cause i watched the olympics religiously too and i do remember having that thought like we don't even have a team in here yeah and so they showed Eight years later ABC from when you made showed that. a bunch oh, yeah. of it yeah uh, in 1984 we interrupt this podcast to bring you a commercial sports stories with denny lennon aims to bring its subscribers interesting unique and uplifting stories you can find us at sportsstoriespodcast.com. We drop audio, video podcasts every Thursday and go live at 5 on YouTube four nights a week. That's Sports Stories with Denny Lennon. And now back to our interview. That's wild. Those two teams didn't actually have to qualify because we were host together on hosting. that birth. But both teams had great Olympics. Mm-hmm. A little weakened because of some teams lacking. But the women, I think on a Friday night, won the first medal any U.S. team ever won. The silver lost to China in the gold medal match. Right. And then we beat Brazil the next night. And so all of a sudden we broke on the scene and people were like, where did this come from? This is not the thing we're used to playing in the back yard yeah. until the hamburgers are cooked, <laughs> until they're ready to, to eat. And so we just showed them, both teams showed them what – international class volleyball is all about and that got uh, things like that got us invitations to things like the superstars did you feel a little of that weight in the superstars i felt a ton of weight i felt like i have to rep my uh, our sport our volleyball community there so i I, it was actually not that fun i was trying to do so well everybody else is kind of goofing around but i was like hey this is our only way to measure up yep and so and I was a last-minute entry. They didn't even want to – they didn't invite me at first. Somebody pulled out, and okay. we were playing in a series in Brazil, and they got a hold of me down there, and they said, can you get here on Monday? So I think we got home on Monday morning from Brazil uh, after I'd said, yeah, I'd like to go to the Superstars, and I took a quick um, – uh, golf lesson for half an hour because I never played golf from my father-in-law, my wife's d- uh, dad, Jim Miller. Went up to UCLA, got a quick weightlifting lesson and a quick swimming lesson uh, to try to learn how to do a flip turn. I okay. tried one, and I went, like, sideways, and he was like, don't do a flip turn. Just touch just and go touch that and go. way. That's what you did. Oh, and, hilarious. And so, because I knew those were events. You and choose people forgot seven these out were of the really ten. important back in the day the superstars because that's it was that's, that's faded into time because yeah. these are multi-million dollar corporations yeah. these players yeah. now but then it was a huge it was a deal. big deal all the nfl stars were there yeah. the only uh, you know it lacked a, a lot of baseball guys were there mm-hmm. of course in february or whenever it was january base uh, basketball players couldn't go and of course there are some of the most phenomenal athletes sure. on the planet too so no basketball but everybody else and um ended up tying for first yes, place there uh, but losing, rightly so, that was the tiebreaker because in the events that I did, the seven out of ten, Mark Gastineau, mm-hmm. the lines, uh, the defensive lineman for the New York Jets, mm-hmm. beat me more head to head than I beat him. 
Um, <laughs> I was laughing. I learned some good form because you had to take. Yeah, a, you did. Uh, a, uh, you had to take, I mean, I had already done this lift, but I just wanted to get a few tips at UCLA before it took a red eye that Monday night with, with my wife, Jana, out to the event in Florida. But you just had to take a bar and get it over your head. Yeah. Um, and so the fo- the football guys are like, yeah. and they just push it up. And, and instead, uh, the only way I could do legs. that is all legs. Like, mm-hmm. your arms aren't doing anything. It's basically the jerk of what you would see a clean and jerk in the Olympic lift where you have to get the bar here and, and then, then get it over your head and it's all explosion it. in your legs. So I was able to use that to get third, and, uh, but uh, hung I, tough. I, I'm going to correct you. You got second. Uh, sorry, tied for first and then third in a later one. Oh, um, now, um, but Arch, I remember, remember another, another thing in the swimming. Um, <laughs> they, there was some confusion at the starting line and... I thought somebody got, took off, off early, yeah. and so I waited for a second, and then they didn't have a second gun blow for the false start, so like, holy crap, I better go. So I don't think I took a breath all the way down, all the way back, but ended up not trying this flip turn, just touch, got back, and so I won, and that helped me get some extra points during the point, competition. If you, if you could have been .3 faster in the rowing, you would have got enough points to beat Gastineau and been the superstar champ, Karch. Well... That's when I knew something fishy was going on, not in the rowing, but in the 100-yard dash, because here's this monster. He was really fast. And part of it was the mm-hmm. um, performance-enhancing yeah. uh, activities. Yep. So, mm-hmm. But I thought I, I did pretty well running a 10-8 in the 100-yard dash, yeah, and moving. he killed me. Like, how is a guy that tall and that large, that massive of a human being – Running a ten five. That's, while wild, I'm t- that's running wild. That's wild. You say that because because I just was watching it the other other night and I went, wow. Okay, there's it wasn't no even way. close. Yeah. He just killed. There's me. no way. And I'm yeah. thinking. I'm glad I'm not a quarterback having that run at me because uh, uh, he's uh, just going to kill me with one hit. I love that. Um, so the other thing that kind of crossed over around the same time into popular culture. I don't think it got wide play, um, but it was really interesting. Was that movie Spiker? Mm-hmm. I thought that was really interesting. That was the same facility you guys trained in. Yeah. That didn't look like that nice of a facility in nope. San Diego. Nothing special. And But all you guys were there, and then they just had three actors that they threw in there? Yes. Um, or something like this that? This was really interesting. Um, Dusty Dvorak, I think his father-in-law, I'm, I'm sure I'm yeah. going to get some facts wrong, but his father-in-law was a small, like a documentary or movie producer. And so he got an idea, like, why don't we uh, loosely – create a story that's loosely modeled on the USA men's team and their adventures and how they have to travel mm-hmm. all over the world and they started and they're not very good and they go through all this adversity and they get better and better and start really contending with the world. Um, so they got a few actors, real actors, and then the rest of us. And so we spent you know, several weeks in December of 1983 before the 84 Olympics and we would practice oh, some, so and then we all had to stay after to I help see. them film the volleyball scenes. Yep. 
And you don't see us in the background, really, uh, but we were snickering and giggling because the volleyball scenes, they, it was just, it was horrendous. Yeah. Um, they had a little guy, C. Thomas Howell or something like that, and he's <laughs> trying to jump and look like he could jump. They put a mini tramp out there, and he's jumping, and he can't swing, and they're trying to do a coach on one because those were really tough and having him dive uh, the around. The coach on one was supposed gymnastics. to be the central theme, and that was exactly. painful. That was painful. And so... We were just thinking, oh God, this is not going to come they, out. They patterned well. that one guy after you. Yes, Catch Vitelli. Catch Vicelli was his <laughs> name. So they had guys who were mo loosely modeled off of all Hilarious. of us. What ended up happening is, uh, like Dusty, eventually had to take over so that we weren't just taking four hours to get three good seconds of volleyball. Dusty basically took over. Uh, as unofficial director of this thing, at least of the parts that it, we had to do. It, it, came wasn't, out it wasn't bad overall because those three guys got in the way, but for the most part, it represented volleyball. Not not bad. Like I, I remember I, watching and going, I think oh, it okay. did because it was the yeah. USA team that went on to win the gold medal. Yeah, it was. Unfortunately, the movie wasn't so great, and no. so it came out for just a few days, only lasted in a few San Diego theaters, <laughs> and then disappeared. So it is like a volleyball... <laughs> Cult classic you now. You've got to dig Amazon up Spiker. Prime is carrying dig it up. It. Spiker. It's all right. Side Out is another one. And, of course, they're making a new Top Gun soon. But Top Gun had some great beach volleyball scenes yeah. in it with the blue jeans no and doubt. the tight white T-shirt. That's the one that's that. always referenced when exactly. people reference stuff. You got married in 86. Yep. Um, and and uh, I didn't mean to blow over that, but the Sullivan Award, of mm -hmm. course, you know, I'm, I'm connected with the AAU. And I think you were nominated four times. Mm -hmm. So you're like the Buffalo Bills of the Sullivan Award? Exactly. <laughs> Volleyball the players four, were getting no love. There's a great 30 for 30 on the Bills. I think the four seasons of Bill or something like that. So the four seasons of Karch. Do you remember who won those years? Uh, like I think this Greg Luganis won one of them. Uh, um, maybe Flojo. Flojo was um, one. I don't remember all of them. Like Joan Benoit. Yeah. Jim Abbott. Yeah. Jim, fantastic yeah. guy. Love him. What a good They're guy. All, yeah. They're all good people. They, they were. Now, was that in Indianapolis when you went to those? Yes. And it was, uh, those are those are pretty Actually, I think a couple of them were in Chicago. Oh, I remember okay. one because um, my wife, Jan, and I had to pack. It was an odd packing trip. We were going to the Sullivan Awards in Chicago, and it's like negative 10 outside, <laughs> and a wind, fierce wind blowing froze our tails off just walking across the street and then we had to go straight from that to brazil in <laughs> where the, you could just shed all the clothes the, uh the peak of summer where it's 114 wow. outside and 98 percent humidity because we were going down for uh for a volleyball tournament sports stories with denny lennon is supported by the aau find a local event and join at aausports.org and remember, you can catch your favorite amateur sports live stream, replays, and highlights at BallerTV.com. Sports Stories, along with East Bay, supports the Heroes Movement, a nonprofit that bridges the gap from mental or physical therapy to getting strong again through strength and conditioning workouts. This free service is available for any veteran of the United States Armed Forces. Visit HeroesMovementUSA.org for more information. Sports Stories, along with thousands of people across the country, also supports the My Stuff Bags Foundation, a nonprofit that provides traumatized children with new belongings and new hope. Learn more at mystuffbags.org. Sports Stories with Denny Lennon is a production of Sports Stories, Inc., 
and is available on Apple Podcasts and YouTube or wherever you listen and watch. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and give us a review. It really helps spread the word. You can find all our social media links, archives, and other info on our website at sportsstoriespodcast.com. Special thanks to the John R. Wooden Course and Wooden's Wisdom. Original music for Sports Stories is courtesy of Lennon Music Productions. Original images by Sienna Lennon Photography. Sports Stories is produced by Christine Jimbo and Marley Rice. Sports Stories is edited by Bob McCall. Additional staff include Ray Castro, Teresa Dolan, Jake Downey, Carlos Haro, and Buck Magic Lennon. Fly me to the moon and let me watch sports stories too. Let me see if Danny's on Jupiter and Mars. In other words, it's out of this world. Sports stories is out of this world. See you next week. Check it out, book.